this tonight at the members meeting, um, but they have uh, given away almost a quarter million dollars of food in the last year, uh, which is an incredible gesture and incredible way to help the community. Um, so job well done to those ladies as well as Mona Lee, uh, which was the other employee uh, for the food pantry. And job well done to you all. Uh, you all stepped in. Uh, so many of you drove. Uh, groceries to seniors and to other folks that were shut in their homes over the over the course of the pandemic. Uh, your ties and offering uh, go towards uh, stuff like that, and so it is so helpful to know um, that the Lord is at work in and through you all. So thank you so much. Uh, and this is. Uh, as we are getting back in the swing of things, uh, today we're getting back in the swing of things with some announcements. Uh, this is, we're, it feels like back at Old Redeemer here uh, with, a, with a litany of announcements. But I've got two more for you. Uh, one is the members meeting tonight uh, over Zoom. If you are a member, uh, then make sure to sign in to that. You should have an email uh, in your inbox, uh, probably multiple of them uh, at this point, uh, about the members meeting. Uh, but sign in at 8 o'clock, and we've got a, a bunch of kind of updates for you all. Uh, and second, as... Uh, Rachel and uh, the rest of them said we are moving inside uh, next week. So let's give a big round of applause just for moving inside. We are so pumped about this. Uh, and we want to go just explain that you will uh, get some more emails this week uh, about the protocols for moving inside. Uh, we have never uh, actually had church in that building, period. Uh, so we were planning to move into it last summer, and then obviously the pandemic hit. Uh, so we have got some hurdles that I'm sure that we're going to have to jump over just to kind of figure out how to do church in there. And we've got a plan and a lot of thought has gone into it. Uh, but know that you're going to get some emails uh, about where to park and with Redeemer Kids stuff. And those emails are probably going to be pretty lengthy, but do your best to read all those because you will be uh, more informed and Sunday will go smoother uh, the more informed that you are. Um, and also, I just want to say that we are so grateful to the Lord for the beautiful weather we've had for these outdoor services. Out of the, I think we've done 11 of these or 12 of these, and we had one rain out uh, in those 11 weeks. Uh, we've had just a bunch of beautiful Sundays. And today is going to be blazing hot in about 30 minutes. Uh, but what that feels like is when you're on vacation and it's like raining as you're driving away. You're like, oh, well, now I'm ready to go home. Now we're ready to go inside with it coming really, really hot uh, down the line. And I want to say one more shout out to a volunteer. Uh, let's give a big round of applause to Ashley Starr. I don't know where she is. Uh, but Ashley is the grease that has made this work. Uh, she stepped in at the very beginning and just said, I, I'm, I'm happy to kind of take the reins uh, on the outdoor services. And so whether that's recruiting volunteers, getting them in place, uh, figuring out how all this is going to work, uh, it is such a gift uh, as a pastor, as one of the pastors, to when someone comes and says, not only will I do this task, but I'll take this responsibility on as a volunteer, and she has done a phenomenal job. So thank you, Ashley, for all that you have done. Um, okay, that is everything. Um, and so the last thing is, uh, Jeffrey, will you bring me that piece of paper that's on the chair right there? Um, so what we're looking at today is Acts uh, 2, and this is the birthday of the church. And so the passage that I'm about to read, uh, thank you, Jeffrey, the passage I'm about to read is um, a, an incredibly moving story, and, it's, and it honestly feels almost like it's out of a movie, uh, but I want you to remember when we read passages of scripture like this, whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, we're not reading a, a fantasy book. Uh, this is something that happened in time uh, to people just like us, and so try to do your best 
best as I read this to kind of picture yourself in this moment and what it felt like on that day of Pentecost. This is Acts 2, verses 1 through 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your kindness and generosity to us. We're grateful for the fact that in the scriptures, in the Bible, we come and we sit under its authority. We submit to the words of the Bible, trusting, knowing that they are life to us knowing that they are true in a world that is telling us lies and half-truths day in and day out. We're even telling ourselves some lies and half-truths day in and day out. We come to Scripture grateful that we know that it is your word given for us for our good. Father, we thank you for the church and the church in Acts 2 and the church in 2021 in a back parking lot of a church building. We're grateful that we, as Redeemer, get to live out what it looks like to be the church. And I pray that you would continue to grow us up, to continue to grow us into men and women that look more and more like Christ. And Father, we pray for those in our community that are hurting, whether that's relationally, whether that's economically, uh, financially, whether that's uh, with uh, their housing situations. Uh, and we pray specifically for our city as we see all these uh, shootings continue to happen all over the city. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come. We know that those shootings over the last five or ten years, even at Redeemer, we have had folks who have been impacted by those crimes. And we know that families are hurting, and we pray that your kingdom would come. Be with the leaders of our city and give them wisdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The birthday of the church. Scripture says it sounded like a violent wind filled the house. Tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. Shout out to the Phillips that wore tongues of fire on their heads today. Well done. It's an absolute scene happening here in Acts 2, and bystanders, we didn't, we didn't get to this passage or this uh, verse, but verse 13, after people, bystanders, are watching this, they're actually assuming that these people are intoxicated, that they're drunk with alcohol. It's so crazy. So what is going on? Well, have you ever 
been like an hour into a movie. You've invited some friends over, and that one friend shows up late, and you're an hour in, they show up right at this huge action scene. And so when that happens, there, you know, they plop down on the couch and try to do it, you know, inconspicuously plop down. They enjoy that action scene, but do they really know what's going on? They really probably don't, and if you're probably kinder than I am, maybe you pause the movie, but I'm kind of like, bro, like, we told you the time we're starting this, so we're going to keep going here, but I'm going to be nicer than that uh, because I'm in my pastor role right here and tell you that this is the middle of the movie, but we've got to go back in the Old Testament to know what's going on here. To understand Pentecost, we have to look back at the scriptures. Every individual story in the Bible... Just like this story of the birth of the New Testament church is best understood not in isolation, but connected to the Old Testament. Amen? In this story in Acts 2 where people are all praising the Lord in their own language, tongues of fire coming down can only really be understood because when we understand it harkens back to a story in Genesis, the story that Pastor Benjamin read earlier, the story of the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 10, we're told about the descendants of Noah. Think Noah, when you, when you think about Noah, remember the ark, the water everywhere. Uh, Noah is these people's grandfather in Genesis 10. The Bible says that at that time, they all spoke one language. And the people sought to have a permanent home. The people of God sought to have a permanent home. They traveled to what is now modern-day Iraq in order to establish a civilization where they could live together. But the problem is that this isn't what God wanted. God wanted them uh, to scatter about and inhabit the whole world. And these people had the ability in and of themselves to say no to God. And they had the ability with their hands, to, with their bricks in their mortar to build a city. And they knew thinking to themselves, they, they had this idea that we could be stronger, we could be safer if we don't do what God says, but say, but but be, all be together, kind of looking out for ourselves, they have begun to ignore God's commands. They even created their own interpretation of who God is. They said they wanted to build a tower to go as high as possible in order for them to reach the heavens. Their idea was that they believed that God, and they had created false gods as well. That those, those guys lived just above the surface of the earth, and they could inhabit that space if they built a tower tall enough. It is thought that the tower that they ultimately built was so that those false gods could travel between the spiritual world and the physical one. They had, they had looked at God and said, we're not doing it your way. We've got our own idea. And in doing it their own way, they wanted, as the scripture tells us that Pastor Benjamin read, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And think about this. Besides the family of Noah, who else was going to make a name for themselves? They literally knew God. A hundred years prior to this, there was the flood and Noah came out of that. Their grandfather had a personal relationship with God. And yet so quickly they forgot they knew the commands of God, yet they didn't want to follow who God had, what God had told them to do. 
And isn't this the story throughout Scripture? We think about Adam and Eve with the temptation from Satan to Adam and Eve and what he ultimately tempted them with, what they ultimately bit, no pun intended, was that they wanted to have the same knowledge of God. They struggled to trust and instead they said, I want this for myself. And doesn't this sound like a temptation for the church today? When we think about the church in 2021, we think about uh, how the church, Big C Church, not just Redeemer, how kind of the, the what it looks like to, to be a brand in the church. If you want, if you're a pastor, if you're in my role and you want to have a book deal, the first thing that they look at is not the wisdom that you may give through that book or what God's doing in your life. One of the first things they look at is your social media following. If you want a book deal as a pastor, you better have a bunch of people that subscribe to your social media, which is not a knock on social media, but it is a knock on saying, what are we really about as a church? Are we trusting and following in the ways of the Lord? And and the question being, if you took God out of what we are doing as a church, would anybody really notice? Are we asking the questions of, is this what God is leading us to? Or are we asking the questions of, how do we grow the fastest? And so we think about that passage in Genesis 10. And the reality is that it shrinks. This idea of doing it our own way instead of God's way doesn't make our life bigger or better. It actually shrinks how we operate. It shrinks our world and we develop what we, what we call a scarcity mindset. It's exactly what happened in the Tower of Babel. God wanted these people to trust him and venture out to inhabit the earth, but instead they got scared and said, no, we don't trust that you would provide for us, so therefore we're going to provide for ourselves. They looked around and said, with our eyes, we can see that we have enough here to build a city. If we go where you're calling us to go, What if we don't have enough? And isn't this a story throughout Scripture? When God's people are roaming through, roaming in in, in Exodus, roaming around, and God provided them manna, which was a food that they could have, that God had it provided for them daily, God gave them one commandment with that manna and said, Do not store this. Trust me that I'll give you more tomorrow. But what did they do? They struggled that he would give them more tomorrow. This past week, I heard a wonderful sermon by uh, an old Redeemer member uh, who's moved out to Colorado, Megan Cole Breezy. And what she preached on was generosity. And she gave this illustration uh, where she, she said that whenever she gets, and I, I related to it as well, whenever she gets kind of a little bit of extra cash, maybe a gift or an extra job comes in, she says that her instant reaction is usually one of two things. And I relate to this, maybe you will as well. One of two things where she would say, she said that she would either react by saying, I'm going to hoard it and put it away, even though I didn't even know this was coming. I'm going to put it away, which not that saving money is wrong, but hoarding is. Or I'm going to spend it as quickly as I can because I might not get this again. In both of those applications, both of those reactions are not from the Lord. They're from this scarcity Mindset of what if God doesn't provide again in the future? Do we trust his plan and not ours? And the reality is that when we trust 
our plan instead of his, when we do it our way instead of his, we develop that scarcity mindset, but we also have the result, thinking about the church and, and thinking about Genesis 11, the result is this scattering and disunity. One of the things we talk about a ton at Redeemer is what does it look like for us to be a church that is not uniform, but is, is celebrates the diversity of who we are as people, but is unified. But when we see the sin that was committed in Genesis 10 and 11, the result was that God confounded that language. And the Bible doesn't indicate how many language groups there were, but he says that they were diverse enough that the people were not able to communicate with people outside of their own language. Noah's descendants, descendants needed to find others with whom they could communicate, and so therefore the result of their sin was not coming together as a beautiful family of God, but being dispersed about. So we fast forward ahead to the story two year, or two, or thousands of years later in Acts 2, and it says they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. When they saw tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So what the, the reverse of Genesis 10 and 11 to Acts 2, uh, the, what, went, what went wrong in Genesis is what's going right in Acts 2. What went wrong in Genesis is the dependence upon themselves and not recognizing that God is the provider and trusting Him. In Acts 2, it's the opposite of that. See, we know Pentecost as the day where the colors turn red, where Jesse Phillips wears a hat with a flame on him, where we give kids special things uh, to celebrate Pentecost. But back then, and for Jewish people, Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. And what this was was a time where Jews from all over would come together, not just to celebrate, but to be grateful for what the Lord did and provided for them. They were, they were celebrating and specifically the commandments of God being give, given to them 50 days after the exodus from Egypt. So again, the Old Testament weaving throughout the New Testament and all these people coming together. And the reality is that this was monumental in the timeline of the church. And it was monumental that it wasn't just a random day, but it was Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came down because it was a day where they recognized we are dependent upon God. Even his commandments are not things that we could come up for. Those commandments for our good and his glory, he gave to us. The story of God throughout the Old Testament of providing for his people, he did that for us. So instead of saying we don't need God, like in Genesis 10, the early church said we are utterly dependent upon God. And we are so grateful for the ways he has cared for us. Church, this attitude of gratitude is a marker of a healthy church family. This attitude of gratitude looks around and doesn't say we need more to be happy. Instead, it says, God, thank you for providing in the ways that you have. And that doesn't come by us mustering up gratitude. It doesn't come through just simply making a list of things we are grateful for, which that's helpful. It comes by recognizing that those good gifts come from the Lord and giving him credit for it. And when we do this, it leads to this mindset of generosity. 
These people in the early church in Acts, if you go to the end of Acts 2, is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And a short snippet of it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Let's say that one more time. Early church together, the Holy Spirit has come down. They're dependent upon God. They're walking with the Lord. And the result of that, one of the results of that, one of the consequences, one of the fruit of that was that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Is there anything in the entire Bible that is more anti of how we work in America or in the West as a whole than this. They literally gave up what they had earned in order to give it to the people who had need. When we are dependent upon God and trusting Him to provide, we as the church can be oh so generous. And I see this week in and week out with you all at Redeemer. I was with some church folks last night and at somebody's house, and as I was pulling up, I saw uh, two cars uh, pull up, and people got out of those cars that didn't own those cars. And so, man, it's creepy that I know what you guys drive for the most part. Uh, My wife thinks it's weird, but uh, whatever. Uh, And so people got out, and I was like, that doesn't, like, that, that car doesn't go with that person. And so as, and then I, you know, asked them, was like, or asked the person that owned the car, I was like, bro, you know that that's somebody driving your car. And what they said was like, oh yeah, that person needed a car and we just didn't need ours this week. And what may feel very simple, uh, become very simple or commonplace in the church at Redeemer, I took a step back and I was like, that is literally the thing that is probably the worth the most of everything you own. And you just said, sure. You, somebody else needs this, I'm happy to let you use it. What a picture of generosity. At Redeemer, we have got this unique opportunity as a church that has a wide range socioeconomically, uh, which can have its challenges, no doubt. I mean, there are, you know, it's a unique, unique challenges that come with that. We have this unique opportunity in being a church on, in the lower west side of Atlanta that we have, we're, we're not distant from those in need. We have the opportunity to really live this scripture out of what it looks like to give up so that those others can have. And it's not just with generosity of money. As we celebrated the food pantry this morning, and we're going to celebrate it again tonight at the members meeting with Maureen's done a wonderful job creating a ton of statistics. One of those statistics, uh, when I was looking over the slides for tonight, is that she's tracked uh, kind of volunteer hours over the last year. And she broke that down in this pie chart and another pie chart after that. And and one of the the pie charts indicated that one of our members, Jackie Lachlan, who I think I saw come in today, Jackie uh, has given 18% of the total hours Redeemer people have volunteered. Jackie has volunteered. 18% 18% of this. And that's not, that's not like 12 or 15 hours. That's over 150 hours that Jackie has taken a train, a bus to a train and walked six or seven blocks to come and just, just sort out food, to be with folks and load up cars. And this is seven, eight hours a day, multiple days a week over the last year. And what a beautiful 
picture of generosity. So it's not just rich people saying, oh, here's some extra money. It's all of us saying, what time do we have to be generous? And that happens through the work of the gospel in our hearts. And the beautiful reality of this is that when the Holy Spirit was at work in that early church, one of the fruits of it was that they had this beautiful diversity across ethnic lines. So when Pentecost came, and that holiday came, or that uh, festival came, all these people came, uh, you know, from different, they made different pilgrimages to Jerusalem to worship, and it was an especially diverse group of people. I'm, I'm not going to try to read all those uh, names again, but you can read them in your bulletin. Uh, but because of Roman imperialism, which is another history lesson, but because, uh, best way to say it is because Rome just kind of like had their fingerprints all over the place, most of the people that were present probably knew Greek. And so we don't know Greek, uh, you know, in 2021, but most of the people that were coming, at least the majority of them would have known Greek or or Koine Greek, which is kind of like the common Greek of the day. And why this is important is that if God wanted to, he could have easily said, I'm going to speak the language that the bulk of you understand. See, Rome had said, we were going to have you all not, instead of honoring the languages where you come from and the cultures where you come from, we want you to assimilate into Roman culture. And part of that is assimilating into the language of the day. But instead of that, God said, I'm not doing that. God said, instead of asking you all to listen to this in the Greek that you probably understand, I'm going to speak in a way that honors your specific culture in language. And the beauty of that is that we see God not, not kind of uh, washing out culture to where we all you know, become this uniform, uh, everybody looks the same, acts the same, talks the same, eats the same food, uh, watches the same TV show sort of church. And says he, instead, he's saying, we're going to unify you by having one Holy Spirit that is descending upon you, but your cultures can stay, and we are going to honor the diversity of cultures that are present. Derwin Gray, a pastor up in North Carolina, he says, The single family of God, promised as far back as Abraham, is a family of difference. Different ethnicities, different cultures, different socioeconomic classes, male and female, yet we are one body, the body of Messiah Jesus, unified and justified by that same blood. Brothers and sisters, when you look around at the church today, the people of the church, we have the opportunity to live out Acts 2. We have the opportunity to walk forward in dependence upon God weekly and even daily, reminding each other to trust God and not trust our own ways, repenting of our sin, to be people who are outwardly, inwardly changed by God and outwardly generous to each other, and then honor and live out what it looks like to be a unified, diverse group of people. Seven years ago when we planted Redeemer, one of our elders pointed this out to me that, uh, this past week. We planted Redeemer. The first church service we ever had at Redeemer was this Pentecost Sunday seven years ago. And the beauty of this, and I think the Lord's writing a long story in and through Redeemer, is that we are now going to transition with this being Pentecost Sunday, with our next Sunday being inside our new permanent home for the foreseeable future. And what I want us to recognize is that this is an opportunity for us as we enter into a new space 
to renew the same mission we've always had. To be a, a church in and for our local community. To be a church dependent upon God, overflowing in generosity and committed to affirming the diversity of cultures present in our church and in our, in our community. To be an Acts 2 church. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives individually and corporately. Continue to move us towards what it looks like to be a people that are transformed by the Holy Spirit. Generous and a picture of the Acts 2 